Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fear less. Diabetes late night. Now, before we get things started, 
help us celebrate our six-year anniversary in style by taking a minute to donate to DivaBetic at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Our next TM Dong hit first appeared on the Boomerang soundtrack in 1992, featuring Grace Jones, and went on to spend 16 weeks in the Billboard Hot 100. Let's listen to I'll Die Without You, courtesy of Sony Music. For the past six years, I've been hosting this podcast, and tonight I'm focusing on kidney failure. Did you know that diabetes is the most common cause of kidney failure, according to, uh, accounting for nearly 44% of new cases each year? Well, later on the show, we'll be learning some healthy grilling tips to help you stay healthy all summer long from my favorite chef, the happy diabetic, Chef Robert Lewis. Right now, I want to take a minute and share with you that this July marks the 11th anniversary of Luther Vandross's passing. He is and will always be our diabetic inspiration. His stroke and unexpected death are two of the driving forces behind diabetics outreach efforts. Until I found Luther on the floor of his home after he experienced a stroke, I honestly had no idea that diabetes could be so destructive. It was a horrific wake-up call that taught me that what, what, what I once considered to be a touch of sugar was much more vicious and deadly than I ever could imagine. Unfortunately, history seems to be repeating itself because four more men who were prominent in the music industry have recently died, including Fife Dog, Prince B, and radio personalities Doug Banks and Von Harper. The goal of this podcast, as well as the 130 other free podcasts we have available is to help you to improve your attitude about living with diabetes so that you could keep your house a home by preventing a diabetes health-related complication from occurring. You know, I have diabetes in my family, and it's important for me to make that a reality. And here to help me do that each and every day is my own mom, who I love to share with you. Please welcome to the show, Mama Rosemarie. Hello, Mom. Hi. You know, most people always wonder if I really was a Luther fan, and uh, I think you would testify that when I grew up in Rochester, New York, I was always listening to WDKX. Correct, you were. And you actually got to see Luther uh, when on my first tour in 1993 when I was at, it was a Never Let Me Go uh, tour, and we were, where did we perform in Rochester? Uh, we performed at the uh, War Memorial. Mm-hmm. And what did you, what were Memorial your expectations piece. going to see Luther Vandross for the very first well, time? Well, I was I was very surprised. Uh, I didn't expect such a wonderful um, concert. It was just amazing, and I was very overwhelmed by it. And um, uh, I from then on, I always wanted to go to one of his concerts. When you invited me, we went to several cities to see him. And um, it was just really special. I just 
could remember him coming out on the stage, on the rolling stage, and everybody throwing roses. And it was really very, very special. Well, you know, getting from Rochester, New York, to work with Luther Vandross took a lot of hard work, and I had to set some goals. And I know uh, you have a tip this month that kind of applies to that, not so much for show business, but for staying healthy. So uh, why don't you share your tip with us today? Oh, thank you. Um, My tip this month is about setting goals. We always start a health goal with the best of intentions, but it's easy to quickly fall off the wagon. Life gets in the way, or we lose that early rush of motivation, and slowly but surely we land back at square one. My advice is to try talking to a friend about what you need to do to accomplish your goals, then set a deadline and report back on your progress. For many people, it's important to feel accountable to someone other than yourself, and you could create the same motivation through groups. Need to eat better also? Create a healthy eating challenge with your colleagues at work or exercise groups or even your card-playing groups. Um, Just make that challenge, get with someone else, and set goals. So that's my tip for this month. Ciao for now. Well, thank you, Mom, for being on the show, and thank you for participating in most of the podcasts over the past six years. And and you were there when I first sold my very first Diva Better T-shirt in South Carolina, and um, I have so much gratitude for having you be a part of it all these years. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be part of the group. Thank you for always having me on, and and. Um, yes, I'll never forget the memory of selling our first T-shirt for Diva Batic. Very important. So I have some happy memories with Diva Batic and also with the concerts for Luther Vandross. It's been a great pleasure and quite an experience. Thank you. Great. Well, we're going to get on with the music. PM Don, Don's Paper Doll song is said to have over a hundred times be have is said to have the words paper doll said over a hundred times in the song, which makes it the second only to MC Hammer's Prey, which holds the record for the most times a title is repeated on the U.S. top 40 hits. Here's paper dolls, paper dolls, paper dolls. All right, we're back at Divey's Late Night. You know, I'm trying to put on a great show because my friend Chef Robert Lewis is getting ready to start his own thing of podcasting, and I told him, hey, uh, it can't be perfect, just got to have fun with it. And, of course, I got emotional uh, with my mom on the show, which was not planned, but it's so amazing to work with your family on something. And uh, my mother's mother had diabetes, and my older brother has diabetes, so it really is uh, – I like to think walking our talk when we do diabetes outreach and we educate each other about not only how we could stay happy and healthy, but how we could help my brother to continue to stay happy and healthy. And I know that family plays a big role in my next guest's life because she went on to become the president and the founder of the Marianne Lukers Kidney Foundation in Philadelphia uh, in memory of her own mother. So please welcome to the show Lynette Lukers. Hi, Lynette. Hello, good evening, how are you? I'm great. I mean, we do share that in common. Both of our families have motivated us to do something 
for me personally, never ex- expected to do in my lifetime. I don't know. Uh, tell us a little bit about what really inspired you, besides your mom, to take on this great challenge of creating a uh, foundation in your mother's honor. Uh, well, it started the Marion Lucas Kidney Foundation um, in honor of my mother who passed away of end-stage renal kidney failure, which is really to help encourage other family members to support their loved ones who are on dialysis. Um, when my mom was diagnosed with um, diabetes as well as when she was placed on dialysis, uh, we didn't necessarily take a proactive approach as far as just educating ourselves about dialysis and kidney disease and the long-term impact. So I started this organization just to help other family members in supporting their loved ones. And, like, what are two things that stand out that you feel most families, you know, like you said, your family specifically wasn't taking into consideration that may or may not have been able to help your mother through that time in her life? Uh, well, one, definitely uh, diet is really important as far as um, healthy eating, um, just really understanding what your loved one can eat and what they're not able to eat is really important. Um, some of the things that, you know, being mindful of your water intake for a dialysis patient is really important. And then also just understanding that a person that's on dialysis, they can still have an active and normal lifestyle, so able to travel. Um, you just have to make those proper accommodations. Uh, beforehand for them to be able to still be active. So those were two things that we definitely were not aware of. Well, now that you brought it up twice, dialysis, that's kind of a scary word for a lot of people with diabetes. We don't really understand it, and we're nervous about what what Mm -hmm. might happen. Tell us a little bit more about it, because I was looking at your site, and I saw that you Mm -hmm. do have a resource on dialysis, and like you just mentioned, you had a personal experience with your mother on dialysis. So what are are Mm -hmm. some of the myths and misconceptions people might have about dialysis besides what you just shared about the idea that um, what kind of lifestyle they could live? Well, for some individuals, some people assume that you can no longer work. It varies from patient to patient. Um, Some individuals are able to still work. They may do dialysis first thing in the morning or later in the evening. Um, Also with dialysis, you um, you are able to do um, dialysis at home. And actually, if you choose to do dialysis at home, uh, those individuals tend to have a longer um, life expectancy on dialysis because they're not subjected to um, um, being sick from other patients and they're able to be in the comfort of their home. Um, so you can still do dialysis. You don't necessarily have to go to a dialysis center, but you do have to get training if you want to do home dialysis. And how expensive is it? Because I'm sure that's what someone's thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dialysis is very expensive. Uh, the cost, the government can pay about 80% of that dialysis each year for patients. Um, your health insurance is very important. Medicare will also take a part of dialysis costs. Uh, but also it is really important to stay on top of legislation just to make sure that they are continuing to support dialysis patients, um, which is really key to still continue to cover the cost of dialysis. And who do you talk to about the financial burden of dialysis? Is it a social worker through the hospital? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, like we're one was a family member in your family appointed as the um, mm-hmm. healthcare advocate? I'm just curious because I'm I'm sure this comes up for a lot of people. It has to be overwhelming for the person on dialysis to have to deal with uh, the financial burden of it as well. It is. Um, 
there's definitely uh, each patient will receive a social worker that they will work with as far as um, navigating the the medical process as far as um, the cost of it. They also have health educators that also will serve as navigators to help patients as far as the actual process going through dialysis, being on dialysis three days a week, about three to four hours um, each each session. And also um, just really education is key. They have a lot of support uh, groups for dialysis patients. And if a person is um, seeking dialysis at a, at a center, they usually have a support system or a buddy system that they offer for a dialysis patient. It's just a matter of being proactive and taking the time to really um, understanding the resources. But definitely having a, a family member that serves as an advocate to understand all of the information because you definitely will be inundated with the information that you will receive. A great advice. All right, now I was doing a little bit fact-checking myself on you, and tonight we're talking about Prince B, uh, PM Dawn. He was only 46 when he died. He had uh, renal kidney disease. He had suffered strokes, and he suffered lower limb amputation. I know you're very passionate about educating cultural, uh, cultural communities about the health disparities, and two of the biggest ones have to be kidney disease and diabetes. Uh, two statistics that stood out to me are that black men between the ages of 20 and 20 29 are 10 times more likely to develop kidney failure due to high blood pressure than Caucasians, and African American men between the ages of 30 and 30 time, 39 excuse me, are 14 times more likely to develop kidney failure and white counter, uh, than their white counterparts. I'm just hoping you could give us a little bit of um, excellent, further explanation into that, because those statistics are pretty alarming. Yes. Uh, well, one, uh, sometimes men tend not to go to the doctors each year and get their physical um, examination, so that's really important for men to be proactive as far as following up with their with their doctors. Um, black men tend to suffer from hypertension and diabetes, uh, which definitely uh, sometimes can impact their kidneys long term and being placed on um, on dialysis or suffering from kidney disease. And with that, um, just really pushing for, um, I know in the African-American community, there's really has been for a push for African-American men to do pre-screenings. Um, you can do uh, pre-screening for your kidneys, um, prostate, um, you know, getting screened for hypertension. All those things are really uh, important, um, especially with the stress in the community. I mean, it, it's it's shocking, frankly. I think we have to rally more around uh, the community and really try to get the, uh, the raise awareness about it. And I want to thank you again for being on the show and helping us do just that. And I know you were on last month, but you're going to have to come back again, uh, hopefully not around a recent death like, like Prince B's, but uh, just to help us later in the year when we come back to men and diabetes and talk more about what we can be doing to help them keep their house at home. Thank you for having me again. All right, everybody. Uh, PM Dawn member Doc G wrote on the group's Facebook page following Prince B's uh, death, rest in peace, Prince B, forevermore. Pain from diabetes can't harm you anymore. Um, pretty profound words. We're going to hear another cut from Sony Music uh, from, the from the live album. Whatever it is I do, I try to think about you. I will love you, but nothing hides. Baby, whatever it is I do, I'm always thinking. 
Mr. Diva Bedick, and tonight I'm celebrating my six-year anniversary of podcasting by really focusing more, again, on kidney disease and diabetes. We covered it last month, as many of you listeners may know, and I just feel like due to the recent deaths of uh, Fife Dog, Prince B, uh, radio host Doug Banks, and now Von Harper, uh, it deserves more attention. So uh, that's why we're talking more about it tonight. And uh, I wanted to give a little bit more information about the lead singer, Prince B, and his health. He suffered a stroke in 2005 that paralyzed half his body and another stroke in 2009, which led to an infection, which led to having his leg amputated below the knee due to the infection. And of course, uh, not of course, but unfortunately, he died at the age of 46 uh, last month. It's alarming to me uh, that this still goes on. And so I wanted to talk to my favorite educator. She's been with me for several years now on this podcast, uh, Patricia Addy Gentle. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Max. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking a somber celebration, being a part of a very somber celebration with me tonight. You know, I, I just read about Von Harper, who was the architect of The Quiet Storm, such a big fan of his, dying uh, this morning. And it it even gave me more inspiration to want to do this podcast tonight and talk about this. I know from Luther's personal experience after the stroke that his life changed considerably, especially his lifestyle. He was 54 when he died. Prince B was 46, and you just heard me list off all the complications that happened in his short lifetime. The big question for me that I wanted to ask you, if people suffer from one complication, are they more? Are they at greater risk for suffering from more complications? The bottom line with diabetes is um, blood that circulates in the system that is full of sugar, has excessive sugar, therefore it puts more stress on the vessels. And because our bodies have vessels throughout, there is not a part of the body where circulation is not necessary. Our eyes, our kidneys, our lower extremities, all throughout the body, we have the potential to have damage to those vessels. And so, yes, when there is one complication, um, there is risk for other complications. So if you find someone having enough stress on the vessels in the body, then yes, you will find multiple complications developing usually. Well, it seems common sense. If I had an amputation, I might not be able to do the same amount of uh, exercise I was doing before uh, to maintain my health and, and certain other things. I would think my motivation would go completely out of the window. Uh, I, I'm just curious, have you ever dealt with people who've had complications and maybe been able to turn something around or slow down the next complication? Or do most people who suffer from one complication, in your opinion, uh, since you've been a, a practicing certified diabetes educator in the Atlanta area for quite a long time, do most people who've suffered from one com- complication go on to suffer more? I see... Um both extremes. I see people who have complications sometimes looking at that as a wake-up call 
and once they develop one complication, they really get um, target their health and they get on track and start doing things better in a better way and paying more attention, being more cognizant of their care. And they, yes, do um, slow the progression. On the other hand, there are those who have uh, the attitude that, well, this has happened and it's inevitable that something else is going to happen and what's the use? So, yes, I, I see both extremes. There are people who really do take charge of their diabetes once they realize that they have advanced and, and gone to the point of having a complication and they will slow the progression and not um, have another complication for several years. And what what do you think makes that change in them that they that you know it, it, does it become a wake up call is that how I mean wh- how did they do that because I'm sure someone listening out there right now might be feeling the other side of why me how did this happen I'm you know uh, it's all it's useless and to hear that someone actually slowed it down uh, I'm just curious if you were dealing with them closely what you really saw as the driving force in them to do that. You you know, Max, it's pretty individualized, and sometimes you'll find people who have hobbies, the kinds of things that they really like. When they come to a class, you know, normally I try to figure out what motivates you, you know, what is it that you want to do, and we can concentrate and try to help you and assist you to enable you to live out that dream. And so if it's attending a, a granddaughter's wedding, that's going to be two years from now, then sometimes you'll find someone who really is motivated and really um, their their attention is drawn and they really are inspired to do better at self-management. On the other hand, if you cannot identify something that they really have that they are anxious about and, and wanting to live for, then it's a little more difficult. There are some who have an extreme, deep, devout faith, and they believe that they can conquer anything. And there are those who have family members who will assist them and help to motivate them. And then there are people who are kind of living in isolation and alone, and and maybe there is nothing that you can uh, really capture and grasp. But it's pretty individualized. Sometimes the person who you feel has the most severest of cases and, you know, may not have the quality of life that someone else has, that may be the person who really is inspired to do a much better job than the person who really could turn things around because their complications are, I don't call any of them minor, but they may be, um, you know, early, in the early stage of a complication. Well said, Patricia. I can feel your passion coming through tonight, and I just applaud you. If I were in Atlanta, you would be my certified diabetes educator because well, I, so I just much. feel like you get what's going on with people, and you're always so uh, take charge and, and right. You know, you're just real about it, and I, I always appreciate what you, uh, what you bring to the show and what you just said. And I hope people heard that what you were saying. And I know personally, uh, my opinion is. What's in what's on the other side of the bed and what's on the other side of the fork are two of the biggest motivators sometimes when people are in this position, which is why I'm bringing in our next guest, who's the author of one of my favorite diabetes books, The Secret of Living and Loving with Diabetes, 
I'm going to say it again because I, I do promote this book a lot. I don't get paid. The Secrets of Living and Loving with Diabetes, and she's as, as well as she's being the 2008-2009 AADE Diabetes Educator of the Year. She's a registered dietitian, so she's going to talk about what's on your, that side of the fork, a certified diabetes educator, a marriage, counsel, a marriage and family therapist, so she'll talk about what's, on the other, what's in the bed beside you, as well as a huge fan. I can't even talk tonight, people. I'm too excited of the Stars series, Outlanders. We're going to hear about that in a minute, too. But first, please help me welcome Janice Rosler. Hello, Janice. Hey. Hello, Max. Happy, happy, happy six. You should have many, many more with many more people learning and getting healthier. Thank you. I, I would love to do that. I'm keep, we're going to keep going. Patricia said she wants to keep doing it, so we're going to keep doing Excellent. it. Excellent. Excellent. And I hear Mom wants to also, so that's great. Oh, yeah. she's you know She comes with it. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we're talking about uh, – we're playing music by Pr- uh, PM Dawn tonight. That's our diva inspiration. And the front man, Prince B, as I mentioned earlier, had a stroke, a lower limb amputation, and, and also was dealing with um, renal kidney failure before – he died at the age of 46. He also had, uh, I think, at least two to three children. He's, that's pretty young. That had to be a tremendous strain on his wife and family as this went on. And I, I really want to talk to you about what Patricia just said about these two different types of people. The one who gives up, you know, because they, they experience one complication and it's just kind of a ball rolling down the hill. And then the other one who kind of fights to slow it down and continues and how the family could play into that and also how that affects the family. Well, I really find that the family is a unit and that the medical issue is the family's issue, not just the issue of an individual person. So however that person approaches his or her medical problem, be it diabetes, be it a complication of diabetes, kidney failure or or whatnot, Um, the family can do a lot in terms of supporting that, going against that, making a problem for it, making it easier, and also how that person perceives things will, will communicate to the family. So it's really a whole group. We have to look at, every, at the family as a system and see how the system is working and is everyone supporting each other for the mutual goals and uh, what I find is a really important thing, if, you're a fam- if you are a person with a loved one who has diabetes or any type of medical issue, chronic medical issue, you probably, I'm, you probably want to help in some way. And one thing that's important is to ask the individual what help he or she wants. A lot of times we assume we see something the person needs, we want to help, we come up with ways to help, we brainstorm, we bring things we think they need, we uh, go out of our way for them, and they may not want that help. And that doesn't mean that you should take it personally. Sometimes that person just wants to do it on his or her own, um, or sometimes they're not ready to do what it is that you're providing They may not want to be a burden to you. They may feel helpless if you take that step, which is a step, a helping step that they feel they should do on their own. So instead of uh, assuming and guessing what the person may need, ask, what do you need? 
how can I help you? Will this help you? Do you want me to do it? And having that clear communication can really, really help everyone involved function um, at, at a better pace, function with more support, and really support each other. But what happens if you don't agree? I mean, what if it is someone like, uh, for instance, what Patricia said, who doesn't want to do anything, and you, you know, want them to stay alive and be a, you know, be a part of your life and see their grandchildren at some at some point, uh, you know, that you may or may not have is what I mean. Uh, right. What do you what do you do then? I mean, it seems like there's a lot more. I just feel like a lot a lot of people would be very uncomfortable with some be going along with someone who says I'm not, you know. I, well, I just don't want to fight. One thing we do know about diabetes and a lot of complications that go along with it is that people who have diabetes are at higher risk for depression. When they become depressed, they are um, less engaged in their diabetes uh, management and less motivated to do things. And it's very frustrating for, for the family members. As you said, you, you're watching your loved one behave in a way that is harming his or her body and future. So first of all, we have to respect that the person we love is an individual who has the right to choose how he or she wants to behave, especially if it's an adult. An adult has the right to choose whether or not he or she wants to exercise, wants to eat better, wants to ignore uh, medical advice or follow medical advice. That's one of the things that we do to respect each other. Now, if you feel that the person you love is not taking diabetes seriously, is not taking care of him or herself, that's the time to seek out help from a mental health professional because it's very possible that that individual is depressed or is having, engaging with something that we call diabetes distress, which is a mental health issue that it has not only depression but has a whole component about the fear and the anxiety of living with diabetes. And there are mental health professionals who can help your loved one uh, get a more positive understanding and, and grasp onto a more positive perspective. But that's tough to do when you're the loved one, when you're the partner or the child. It really can be helped a lot by a professional. That person may need medication to help, to help support a more positive outlook, meaning it, it's possible it may need an antidepressant or, or need something else or be directed to exercise, which helps release more positive hormones, those endorphins in the mind. So if you are, love, one, love someone who is not taking care of themselves and you are frustrated by it, that's a great time to seek professional care, a mental health professional who can work with that person and help them change that perspective. Okay, and um, I want to get to this because I always love having you on the show that we could talk about sex. I've, I looked up some statistics. According to the Nephrology Diabetes Transplantation website, I'm, that's the first time I found it, ladies and gentlemen, 70% of dialysis patients either experience sexual, uh, experience sexual dysfunction, men and women. Um, that has to be also add to the frustration on both sides of this. 
And I'm curious in your experience working with different people if you've ever seen this. And how do you coach someone through that whose partner may or not be able to uh, actively participate the way, the way they used to? You know, it's interesting. When I first started my career as a, a dietitian a million years ago, I actually was a dietitian in a dialysis center. So, um, so I'm acquainted with it from way back. It's really hard to be the partner of someone who cannot express him or herself, express those feelings sexually. First of all, there are a lot of ways to get involved with intimacy, a lot of stuff we can do. As I know I've brought up before, you know, those, those teens in the 50s when the birth, birth control was very unreliable, they found a way to have a good time in a car without getting pregnant. So intercourse isn't always the end goal. There's a lot of great stuff that they can do to connect, to be tender, uh, massage, uh, oral sex, all different things. Uh, there's also help. There's also medical help in terms of different medications, the pills that we know of for, for men, for erections. The thing is men who have diabetes don't always respond to the pills, so they may need to go to something else. There's, there's vacuum pumps. There's, um, uh, you know, leading all the way up to, to implants, which people, you know, men rave about. That would certainly be a little further down the line. They'd try uh, suppositories, injections. There's a, there's a lot of things to try. On the women's side, a lot of lubricants, a lot more emotional on the women's side. We find that women tend to have more difficulty sexually because of um, emotional stress. So having a woman work on that can be helpful. But really just being loving and trying to make those moments of caring and connection um, my book, um, Sex and Diabetes, from the American Diabetes Association, lists a lot of things that both men and women can do to, to reclaim sexual activity and intimacy in their bedroom when there is a chronic issue like the ones that you're naming. Well, and don't some people actually feel a little bit afraid of having sexual activity who might be on dialysis because it could be harmful to their – they might consider it to be harmful – to their condition or something like that, or have you ne have you ever heard of that or no? Oh, absolutely, especially if they've had heart complications. Um, it's People do get very nervous about it because it is a very intense form of exercise. And what they need to do is use their health care provider, talk to the doctor. I assure you, your doctor has been asked this question time and time again. You won't be the first, you won't be the last. You want to ask, can I have sex? Is it safe for me to have sex? And, and your doctor who knows you best will be able to provide you with the best response. And go for it. If it's safe for you to have sex, because remember, it's just another form of exercise, then enjoy it and have sex. Um, but find out, use your resources, use your healthcare team to get answers that you need, and don't be shy about it. Okay, so two more questions before we wrap up. One is, uh, you, we were emailing back and forth before the show. You mentioned to me that Stars has a, uh, is coming to its second season with its uh, series, Outlanders, which you uh, <laughs> have described to me. I can't believe I'm blushing. Who I'm going to do a <laughs> podcast. I'm going to go to the gynecologist next week, so I don't know why this is so funny, uh, embarrassing. But it's, it has more of a, a female focus. 
sexuality on the show. I mean, sexual um, uh, fantasy uh, on the show. Correct. Well, yeah, well, first Help of all, <laughs> a lot, a lot of male fans. There's a lot of male fans, a lot of female fans. It's got everything except car crashes. It's it's um, an adaptation of of a series of eight books by Diana Gabaldon. And these books are each close, like 800 to 1,000 pages each book. Um, what it is, it's the story of, um, of a medical nurse who was on the front lines in World War II. She somehow gets transported to, the 18th, to Scotland in the 18th century. And, of course, while she's there, she knows the future. She knows, medic, you know, modern medical information. And then there's, of course, a lot of love twists and politics and fighting because it's in the middle of the Scottish-British war and all these things going on. Um, the thing is there's a, there is a lot of sex in it. And one thing that the show has been uh, noted for is that for the first time on TV, because it's on the Stars Channel, the sex that as they're portraying it is very much about a woman's needs it's very much from a woman's perspective and it's it's so interesting to see it because the male perspective we're used to it's you know it's all to his desire and you don't see as much about her needs being met so so a couple can kind of watch this as a tool to using it to uh you know to role play right is that how you like to well, use it? Well, I don't know how much, you know, it's cute. I mean, if you talk about role-playing, they're, you know, they're, they're fighting with swords and horses. And <laughs> I, I don't mean, know how much role-playing. <laughs> more, more attention to the female needs than yes, the male needs. More attention to but the I female. But, I mean, if they want to do that, sure. go for it. Well, I'll tell you. A Cosmopolitan mag- uh, com noted that Outlander has moments that make you a woman feel awkwardly aroused. So it's a, it's a turn-on in a variety of ways, not just in its great history. It's really well-researched, but and its story and its characters. And these guys are hunks. It's amazing, the physiques. But, um, I mean, it, it would be a sixth anniversary podcast without talking about sex. And, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we, we're going to be posting about Outlanders tomorrow. We'll, we'll have I, to do an ongoing thing with you, Genesis, to keep up with I the awkward know. arousal. We keep talking we'll have about an awkward it. arousal <laughs> chart, and I'll, I'll pull my mother <laughs> My mother would be horrified if she heard this right now. Oh, uh, all right, before before you I get off the line. I hate to disappoint you, but your mom had sex to have you, my love. So. <laughs> She's probably there you go. Hate to the, surprise she you. She has all the episodes on DVR right now, probably. Uh, probably. Uh, okay. Um, I just want to go to one more thing with you. So great okay. to have you on the show. And I love your books, <laughs> and, I, you. and we'll be promoting them. All right, You're so the other thing. thing is, I think a lot of people, because Chef Robert Lewis is coming up in a minute to talk about grilling, and you just mentioned earlier that you are a registered dietitian and you did yes. work in dialysis. I think a lot of men and women would be willing to give up sex uh, more than they would be willing to give up something on their plate. So when you when you are dealing with multiple issues like Prince B from PM Dawn was in his lifetime, you really do have to begin to change your diet? And what would be some of the guidelines around that? You know, when it comes to renal, that's very different um, than a typical type of meal plan that we know for diabetes. Renal is tough because you're going through dialysis. Your body has a lot of different needs. And, um, and the foods that are permitted are very different. There's also a lot of cravings that some people get because of dialysis. 
And there's a lot of restrictions. Sometimes there's protein restrictions. Sometimes there's fluid restrictions. Sometimes there's sodium restrictions. I think the best thing to do is to work closely with your medical team and find out what's right for you and find out a way to have every as much of, of what you love as possible. Fortunately, there's a lot of different ways to get different types of foods or to, to – uh, um, make um, foods that are very similar. I don't believe in people giving up anything. I don't think it should be I'm giving up sex, but I'll take the food. I think it should be sex and food together and find a way to make it work. And really ask your healthcare team to really, really put your quality of life first. It, it, that's what it's all about. We want to live the best life we have for as long as we can. And it's not about denying, yes, you are going to have to eat less of something. You may have to cut out things. But really, there can be a lot of joy in life. And find out what you can do and talk to them and work with your team. You want to be healthy, but you also want to have joy in your life. And that's important. I love it. What great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, <clears throat> Prince V suffered a massive stroke in 2005 and ultimately was able to appear on NBC's Hit Me Baby one more time, performing Set Adrift on Memory Bliss, where he won the grand prize and donated his prize to the JDRF. Let's hear another song off the PM Don Greatest Hits live album, courtesy of Sony Music. And I just renewed my subscription to Stars. How about you? All right. <laughs> I'm so excited to uh, work with such an incredible lineup of diabetes advocates tonight. And my next guest was recently profiled in Diabetes Everyday website. He appears regularly at Taking Control of Your Diabetes seminars across the country. He has written several cookbooks. Please welcome to the show the happy diabetic, a.k.a. Chef Robert Lewis. Hello, Chef Robert. Hey, Max. How are you? I'm a little bit warm after that discussion with Janice. Um, I are you going to be watching that. Outlander with your wife uh, sometime soon? I don't know. i got to check it out. <laughs> well, you heard us talking blinders. a little bit about, uh, you know, this issue of food and how people – feel about food once they're diagnosed. I was reading the article that they wrote about you in Diabetes Every Day. You were di diagnosed with type 2 diabetes back in, I believe, 1998, and uh, you really feared that your your big love of food was going to change. What do you want to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was because, you know, I, I didn't surround myself with a good support group. So a lot of the information I was looking at was, not explained to me by people who really didn't know diabetes well. And so I just had this fear of, that's it, I'm done. I, I read some weird things on the Internet that said I can't eat like I used to, which kind of was true, um, but I've learned over so many years that, you know, there is a lifestyle way of eating that is just 
so great for people living with type 2 diabetes that um, it's just really helped me kind of take ownership and have a wake-up call about the way to eat. And I'm enjoying food probably more than I've ever enjoyed it before. Are you using more spices, less sodium? Like what are what are some of the uh, – I know one of your things is that people should really learn how to read a recipe, but what are some of your other tips that make you enjoy it more? Because I know we have a yes. lot of type 2 listeners. Yeah, I mean, certainly <clears throat> herbs and spices just bring the sparkle and magic to foods in a way that nothing else does. You know, I love to use citrus like lime and lemon to bring out the sparkle in foods. Like if you can just imagine some really great roasted broccoli or asparagus with some fresh lime drizzled over the top, um, it's just ways to make food come alive in a way that you don't miss all the fat and all the sodium that you're used to, to cooking with. I have to tell you, I'm, this is what I'm guilty of. I will follow a recipe, like if I'm cooking, we're going to talk about grilling in a minute, if I'm grilling right. something, until I get to the spice rack. Then I don't know, I just don't, I feel I have like a weird co- sense of confidence that I really shouldn't have, and I just start putting on, you know, I just start pouring it right onto the stuff, and if it doesn't look a certain way, I, I seem to add more than I should invariably I find that out much later. And I'm wondering, like, you know, because spices are really like a, a hazard for me. Am I, should I be measuring them? Like, what, what tips do you give? Because I feel like I overspice food. Easy to do it because some spices, depending on how they're ground or what shape they're in, can really, you know, elevate the flavor level more so. Like, for example, a powdered, oregano compared to a leafy oregano will change the flavor profile dramatically. So help people to learn, start slow, taste often, and master four or five or six different spices like oregano and basil and, you know, cumin and curry and just get used to those spices. Start with a little, taste it, let it cook fully. And then on the next round of of cooking that you're doing, Pick it up a little more until you get really used to those spices and how they interact with food. But what I find is that people don't season enough, and so their food is bland and they overcook. Come over so to it's my rubbery. House. Yeah, I mean, it's still rubbery, you know, but it's not bland. People, let's just be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're going to talk about grilling. And um, hot dogs and hamburgers, which are the all-American standard, you know, there keeps to be more are making headlines because they seem to be the worst offenders when they uh, for causing some types of cancers. Uh, you can see that in most head, health headlines on the web right, today. Right. I know uh, red meat is something else that we've been talking about in our hot topics at the Diva Better Club in Philadelphia as another thing that could aggravate uh, a cancer condition or cause cancers in men most men love to grill more and more than ever before and so you're going to talk to us a little bit about how we could grill and still be satisfied if we don't have red meat on the on our plate correct and and, you know as max you and i were talking earlier you know in some communications that i'm kind of hooked on this food on a stick trend you know and it's not corn dogs or fried mars bars but what i really like about food on a stick is that it's easy to gauge the portion, right? I mean, I can take a chicken breast or a pork chop or salmon and and get the right size portion 
you know, four ounces, cubed up nice with lots of vegetables on a stick, grill them in the oven, grill them on your grill, and you really get a nice portion, yet the flavors meld together really nicely and cook very evenly because all the pieces are about the same size, so it's a no-brainer. It's super simple. And, and so and what do you like, like to put on a stick? You know, I, I love salmon on a stick. I love salmon skewers. I mean, I kind of call my salmon skewers of love. I mean, I really like that because you can marinate salmon, lightly season it, and, and the salmon just takes on a really magical quality. I love to do the same with shrimp. I love to do Wait, the same with... Wait, let's go back, because I have a knee-jerk reaction to salmon on a stick. I feel like I would dry it out and it would fall right off. I don't know. I would assume someone listening has probably gone through this, too. I seem to dry out my salmon. You're saying that it could be on a stick and still be juicy and tender, because I picture mine just kind of falling right off before I even get it to the plate. Yeah, well, you know, the challenge that people have with so many foods, like shrimp or chicken or fish like a salmon is, we just think we have to overcook it and, and just kill it. And the, the the fact is, you don't really have to. I mean, I like my vegetables crispy. I like my salmon nice and juicy. So, you know, one and a half, two inch squares of salmon on a skewer with some nice veggies on a grill, super hot grill, for six to eight minutes, you're done. I mean, simple and easy. Um, it's not rocket science. I mean, listen, Max. If I can do it, it's simple. And I like, you know me. I like to take. You were trained in it, though. I do well, know you. Well, and I, well, you know, I was. Yeah, I do know you, and you're such a great um, inspiration for people living with diabetes. I mean, you come. You're a regular guy. You are so warm and nice to everyone. You're so positive. You totally own the happy diabetic. I've never seen you in a bad mood. And you do love food, and you love to get people passionate about food. I mean, one of the reasons I even try to attempt to do what I do is because I do look at your cookbooks that you've sent me over the years, and I use them. And so I, you know, I wanted you on the podcast today because I, I do really feel like you have this very strong message of telling people that they don't have to – feel like they're living in its deprivation, that they have an opportunity with diabetes to thrive with it and, and, and enjoy the things they loved. Yeah, Max, you're way too kind. I really appreciate those kind words. But you are right. I am very passionate. I mean, I want to teach people how to turn their ordinary ingredients into something extraordinary, right? Simple and easy. I mean, yeah, I went to a chef school close to where you live, and hey, whatever, but to learn to be able to take foods that are simple and, and really create some fun and delicious ways to prepare them that anyone can do. Okay, well, and I have people, two questions from the Diva Beta community for you before you go. I'm ready, man. Let's, let's do it. Sarah from Schenectady, Chef Robert, does it really matter if I use unsalted or salted butter in my recipes? Is there really a difference? You know what, that, that is a really good question. It's really a personal taste. I mean, I usually use salted butter. Um, you know, I know people that don't like the salted butter, but, again, I, you know, it's a minimal amount of sodium. It gives some nice flavor. I, I think it's a personal preference. Okay, so you heard that, Sarah. Amanda, Sarah, there you go. Didn't say, Amanda didn't say where she's from. I need a... Um, from Argentina, we're just going to, because we were doing, she, Sarah was from Schenectady, which I loved. Awesome. Um, 
Have you ever have you ever Chef Robert? Have you ever used broccoli instead of breadcrumbs? And uh, do you recommend it? Is that a swap? Well, Can you do that swap? Have you ever heard of such a thing? I've never heard of such a thing, but now I want to try it. I mean, have you ever heard of cauliflower? <laughs> do, do you swap out anything for breadcrumbs if you want something a little bit less car- with lower carbs? Here's my take on that, Max. I mean, if I want a crusty breadcrumby kind of a thing on something, I'm going to use breadcrumbs, right? I'm going to use whole wheat breadcrumbs. But I'm just, again, I'm not going to use three cups. And even if the recipe calls for three cups, I'm going to use a half a cup. I'm going to just moderate it. I'm not going to deprive myself of the things that I love, but I am going to moderate and watch the amount of foods that I eat. So that's my take on it. But I would love to try to to grind up broccoli like in a Cuisinart or a Vitamix and, you know, use them as breadcrumbs. I, I don't want to try that. They're almost like right, taking If you do it, will you send it back to us and we'll blog about it? We'll get, I, I will. We'll get I, Chef I, Robert's even, broccoli challenge? Yeah, I might the even broccoli try broccoli bread club it. challenge? You know, it's almost like taking uh, cauliflower and making mashed potatoes out of it. And I love that. I, I do amazing, love it. I actually, right? It's amazing. Well, we're going to yeah, be, uh, right. I just want to tell everyone, they can check out your website. Tell them what it is. Um, HappyDiabetic.com. And we'll be posting all four of the uh, skewers and sticks recipes that you sent me on our blog over the next week. So you can get all those recipes from Chef Robert Lewis at DivaBetic.org. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Max, congratulations, and no one loves you more than me. (laughs) Thank you. And do that podcast. We want to hear – I want to be on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. All right. Well, Prince uh, B began DJing parties and composing songs in the ninth grade. Within a few years, he had determined to make a demo tape of some of those pieces. With $600, he set aside from his after-school job as a security guard at a homeless shelter. Amazing story, isn't it? What an what a, a incredible dream that man had, and look what he did. Now let's listen to another song by PM Dawn, our diva inspiration for July. Google that right now and see if I'm right or wrong. Uh, my next guest, I should ask my next guest that question uh, because I consider him to be the ultimate Luther Vandross historian. Seriously, folks, I think Leon knows more about Luther than I do. Actually, I know he does. Please welcome to the show Leon Petrosen. Hi, Leon. Hi, Max. How you doing? I'm doing great because I'm celebrating my sixth anniversary with a true Luther Vandross fan, and I love having you on the show. And before we begin, I just want to thank you personally for promoting Luther's legacy on Facebook with your two different groups, uh, the Luther Vandross from the early years, and then I think it's Luther Vandross after the 80s. You do so much for keeping his music and uh, his spirit alive, and it, and I check it out all the time. And it, it really touches my heart and soul, and I know 
that a lot of Luther fans also feel the same way. So thank you so much for doing that. Oh yeah, you're welcome. It's just it's just a pleasure, and you know, just to keep his legacy and honor, you know, I mean, memory alive. Now I know you didn't personally know him, but you did follow him very closely for a long time. Just tell us a little bit about your love of Luther. Well, wow, it goes way back. Yeah, um, I wish, looking back, I wish I had discovered his music when he first came out. But uh, the true story is, it, when I first heard Here and Now, in, uh, probably around the spring of 1990, that's what got me hooked. That song made all the difference? Yes, yes. And from there it was golden. Okay, so then when you heard yeah. about... Uh, as your love kept growing of his music, uh, did any? How did you react when you heard he had the stroke? And I'm curious to know if his health at all affected you in any way and impacted the way you manage your health or how you may manage the health of your family. Um, well, when I when I first heard he had the stroke, you know, of course it was a shock, and you know, I guess looking back, you know, didn't really understand, you know how it all worked and, and, you know, just why he had it. And I guess the, you know, the struggle with, with diabetes and the food and, and, and uh, I guess affected my, my life uh, in terms of uh, health and all that. It didn't really, really hit me till later on uh, because, you know, both my parents are di- were diabetic and, um, and so, you know, watching them go through it, it's, it kind of finally hit later on when, you know, both of their health really declined. Well, let me ask you a question because I've been dealing with these emotions all day because of the recent passing of Vaughn Harper. I feel that the media does a huge injustice when they say, when the headline says, Luther Vandross had a stroke and never mentions anything to do with diabetes. Because for me personally, I have a family history of diabetes, and I had no idea that there was a link between stroke and diabetes. And I don't, it certainly couldn't change anything in my family's history because my grandmother had already passed away. But had I known, I think I, I would like to think I would have been more prevented. I would have worked harder with Luther, like Janice said, to try to help avoid that stroke. And I'm just wondering... You know, when you saw, because you mentioned it right now, too, you heard about the stroke, but you didn't even really understand how it was connected to the diabetes. Uh, do you think it, it, would you have read more about it had they told you more, or do you think it was unnecessary to go into further detail? No, I, th- I think it should have been brought out. And then that way, just, you know, I think more people would have been aware of, you know, what I, what I believe is one of the greatest singers of all time, you know, just passed away at an early age. And well, and you think Fife Dog, people love Fife Dog from A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Obviously, Prince V from PM Dawn, one of the biggest hits of the 90s, which we played at the top show, has many fans. And, you know, they're all, they're all of their legacies. I'm sure all their fans are, are saddened by the, the, being cut short of their legacy and, and that body of work that they may have gone on to create. Um it's just interesting. So, how is it, did it has it impacted? I, I just wanted to get a fan's perspective on this again because I think we're all in the midst of seeing our some of our favorite musicians uh, being affected by diabetes and the health related complications. And I'm wondering, 
how we could use that information to kind of further raise awareness? Oh, that's a good question. Um, wow, just uh, really, I mean, like you said, just really, uh, you know, learning more about it, researching, uh, listening to, you know, stories, listening to people's stories of what they had to go through and the struggles. No, I agree. All right, so Leon, because I was already looking ahead, you're going to, we're going to talk, you and I are going to go battle head-to-head with the three hidden gems by Luther Vandross that all fans should know about, uh, because okay. you weren't, you're not really a huge PM Don fan. I'm a, I'm a uh, okay fan, but I am a Luther Vandross fan, yeah. so what are your top yeah. three hidden gems that all Luther fans from the Luther historian should at least take a listen to if they don't already have it on their playlist? All right. Now, this was a challenge. All right. So I had to, you know, wrestle with this one. I had to, I was taking songs out and putting more back in. So I came up with the three that, that I thought um, were hidden gems that should definitely be on the playlist. All right. The first one is um, from 1985. It's not really well known. It's on the Goonies soundtrack, movie soundtrack. And it's called She's So Good. The song's called She's So Good to Me. And it was not on a Luther Vandross album, you know, you know, solo release per se. It was just on the movie soundtrack. Okay. So that's one. All right. And then my second choice was from the Power of Love album, 1991, is I Want the Night to Stay. And that just, it's just a romantic song. It's this classic, stands the test of time. And then my last, the third pick, was off of your secret love album, 1996, Love Don't Love You Anymore. So and I love three. that song because I, I worked on the photo. That was the first album photo shoot I worked on with Luther, and I loved it from your secret love in 1996. Okay, my three are from that same album, Your Secret Love. I chose Crazy Love. I think that's an amazing song, and, and it's spectacular, and I think it should go on everyone's playlist right now. I also chose Once You Know How from the Forever for, uh, Forever for Love album. And my final cut is Keeping My Faith in You from the I Know album, which is on Virgin Records. I, just, I think that song has an amazing message about friendship and staying true to people. And then going back to what Janice and Patricia said about who you surround yourself with when you're living with diabetes and, and or living with a complication. It's about who you know and how you how how much they could motivate and encourage you as well as how much you could motivate and encourage them. And I just think that song kind of uh, brings it all together. Do you agree yeah, with my choices? Pick. Oh, yeah, those are great picks. Well, thank you. And, you know, not only do I like Luther music, Leon, I also like to play games. So tonight we have two games in honor of our sixth anniversary podcast before we bring in poet Lorraine Brooks. Excuse me, everybody. She is coming on the show later on tonight. I'm so excited to have Lorraine back. Um, Here's what's going to happen, though. If you get the answer to the first question right, you will win the prize pack. If you get the answer to the second question right, our instant winner from our DivaBetic community will win the DivaBetic gift giveaway. Okay. So your first question, and our judges are Chef Robert Lewis and, and Patricia Addy Gentle. Uh, are you ready to play? All right, and I'm I'm doing this right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. First question. Our first.
first question uh, features a question about sodium. One, one out of every three adults in the U.S. has high blood pressure, according to reports by the American Heart Association, and it only gets worse. The good news is that most of us can bring down their blood pressure naturally by adjusting our diet. Try to guess which one of these foods contains the most amount of sodium, okay? Three choices. They are three slices of bacon, a half a cup of sauerkraut, or one medium pickle. What? Ooh. Give us a second to the drum roll. What's your answer? I'm going to say three slices of bacon. Oh, you are? Yeah. Patricia, are you there? I, I am. Uh, how did Leon do? Well, bacon definitely has a lot of salt, <laughs> but huh. that's not the right answer. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Chef Robert, okay. what did you think the right answer was? Sauerkraut. Huh. Patricia? The answer is one <laughs> Wait, what's the answer? <laughs> <laughs> What's the answer, Patricia? The answer is the uh, pickle. The pickle, wow. The yes. pickle. So what are the that. sodium counts in these things? Three slices of bacon contains how much sodium? Three, uh, excuse me, the, the bacon is 270 milligrams of sodium. Sauerkraut, huh. one-half cup, is huh. 460 milligrams of sodium. And the pickle is 570 milligrams of sodium. Wow. Are those kosher right, pickles? So you what? Well, I just learned something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't, you learned something, but you didn't win something. So you have another chance, yeah. okay, everybody? <laughs> uh, now it's time for our instant winner game. Last Thursday, I posted the game question on our DivaBag Facebook page, Tumblr, Pinterest, and Twitter feeds, and eight people got the answer right out of everyone who responded uh, to this game. So now, Leon, you have to choose a number. First, you have to choose a number between one and eight. Okay, five. Five. You're playing with. Uh, you're playing up for a win for Leora, Leola. Collins, who's one of who's been on our show before, she's part of our Divabetic community. Leola, if Leon gets this right, you could be an instant winner. All right. Here's your question, Leon. Um, Patricia and, and Chef Robert, you can put your headphones back on, like we're in the we're at the top five contestants on the Miss USA contest. Uh, about how many? About how much blood do your kidneys filter every day? Is it? One gallon. Is it 50 quarts or is it 200 quarts? One more time. Mm. Leon playing for our instant winner tonight, Leola. And the question is how about how much blood do your kidneys filter every day? Is it one gallon, 50, 50 quarts, or 200 quarts? Your answer I'm gonna is? I'm going to say a gallon. Patricia? Wait, well, the how did he do? Did he... <laughs> he, he didn't quite get it right. Chef oh. oh, Robert, man. help out. Can you help out, Leola? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think the answer is? I think it's absolutely 200 gallons or 200 quarts. Oh, cool. Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> uh. He is right. The kidneys perform yeah. 
their life-sustaining job of filtering and returning to the bloodstream about 200 quarts of fluid every 24 hours. About two quarts are removed from the body in the form of urine, and about 198 quarts are recovered. The urine we excrete has been stored in our bladder anywhere between one to eight hours. Wow. Leon, I want to tell you, you're tops at Luther history, but you really aren't very good <laughs> I at even better game. But because you helped us tonight for raising awareness, we're going to give Leola <laughs> a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic safe, low glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a Dr. Greenfield's diabetes lotions and products, which are specifically designed with people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin, a cabbage cheese gift basket filled with low-fat cheese. And, Chef Robert, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask, would you give away two cookbooks, one to Leon and one to Leola, for playing along tonight on, on our game? Oh, of course, Max. You can always count on me. So, oh, uh, Leon, you. you're a winner, thanks to Chef Robert. And, you, and oh, Chef Robert, you did help out our instant winner, so thank you for doing that. Great job, everybody. Yeah, nice. That was fun. All right, uh, coming up, if she's still there, is Lorraine Brooks. Let's hear another cut from PM Dawn before we bring in our poet, Lorraine Brooks. Welcome back to Diaries Late Night. We're celebrating our sixth anniversary of podcasting. I couldn't do it without my final guest of the night. Please welcome the lovely poet, Lorraine Brooks. Hello, Lorraine. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm good. What did you, uh, oh, our studio audience. What did you think of tonight's anniversary podcast? Well, first I want to say congratulations for another year, and I so appreciate you uh, having me on the show. It's been a wonderful um, association, and I'm very proud to be one of your um, divas. I thought it was a great show. I think everybody was spot on, and um, it's, a, it's another important topic. We have to talk about it. Um, uh, I appreciate everything that you, all the information that, that you impart. No, I, I agree. I think it was a really great um show and uh i agree and i'm really glad we got to cover it again i know you weren't really that for um familiar with pm dawn and i did share a little bit of his history with you prince b one of the front men of the show and uh you know it is it's really hard we've talked we talked earlier about this there's so many complications uh, so many people living with complications with diabetes in our community and unfortunately, there seemed to be so little access to the information or even the support for those people. And we heard tonight from both Patricia as well as uh, Janice just how important it is to bring that motivation, encouragement, and inspiration to that population. Well, you know, I, you, you're always right on point with that. My, my, my two cents, and I just have to say from, from my own perspective, and you and I talked about this earlier too, I think it's really important that we are careful um, not to blame the victims um, and, you know, that just because someone is experiencing 
a complication or is is ha- having something happen that we you know don't consider optimal or you know is is having some problems of some sort doesn't necessarily mean that they haven't been taking care of themselves or that they have not been doing the right thing. So I just, you know, kind of want to say that too. I mean, I think it's important to really um, support each other and to tell the truth about what we're going through, but also to be careful to support people even, you know, when they're going through uh, problems or when they're having issues. It's not always that they haven't been doing the right thing. Absolutely. I agree with you so much. Thank you for saying that. Now, Let's hear your wonderful poem for tonight. Well, you know, you're, you're talking about complications. and Certainly um, renal disease is one of the major complications, and there are so many others. And uh, it, it really is a shame that so many young people are, are, are succumbing to, to the complications of this disease. But there's so many different ways you can look at it um, that I named my poem, It's Complicated. So many things can go wrong with our parts. It's scary to think of, I know. The thought of a failure, infection, or worse, of losing a foot or a toe. It can affect us in so many ways, and sometimes it's not always plain. Sometimes it sneaks up, disguised and alone. Sometimes there's even no pain. Some people suffer more than the rest and have issues others don't have to deal with. But make no mistake in seeing the truth. It's a disease we had better get real with. Luther and Patty and Hanks and Prince B, George Michael, Vaughn, Hallie, and Quest, this disease has no boundaries and doesn't ask who, and bad things can happen in spite of our best. Open the dialogues. Talk to your friends. Talk to yourself and the people who mind you. And let your struggles and feelings be heard, and empathetic ears will invariably find you. It's simply not easy to conquer this topic, not easy to live with the diabetes police who tell us to do this and not to do that and not to eat something lest we be obese. But this is more complex than most would admit, and it doesn't fit into a neat and square box. So let's all be honest and request what we need. Break open the safe and throw away the padlocks. Yes, it's complicated, but possible to manage if we get the support that is needed to help us be vital and keep living well and be able to say we succeeded. Great job, Lorraine, and we're going to be sharing you, that home on our uh, Diva Better blog tomorrow as well as our Facebook pages. I hope people check it out. I, I always love the way you help summarize the theme, <laughs> and specifically tonight you did an outstanding job, like you do on every show. But this is a difficult topic. You and I talked about there's just such a need for more respect around the concept of struggling with diabetes, both type 1 and type 2, and, and the respect that people uh, give to that and not just, you know, make so quick to judge someone who has one, or in Prince B's case from PM Dawn, three complications. Uh, you know, there's more going on. All, all of the men I mentioned tonight, Prince B, 
uh, Fife Dog, Doug Banks, uh, Von Harper, and Luther Vandross were all very successful in an industry that really prided itself on being difficult to succeed in. And so you have to give some credit to these men that uh, they were trying their best to manage this disease and uh, they struggled with it instead of just immediately writing it off that it could have, there could have been a quick fix or, oh, isn't that sad, and applying more shame and blame to it. Well, what are exactly. your thoughts on that? Or, or implying that they could have done better, you know, that the reason that, that they had a problem or the reason that, God forbid, they died was because they weren't taking care of themselves. And I, and to me, you know, it, it's just important to say that. I mean, obviously, some people take better care of themselves than others, and some people maybe need more motivation than others. And for some people, they don't do anything until they get that terrible wake-up call. You know, there are people like that. But there are also people who are doing their best every single day and are struggling every single day and still are experiencing problems. So I think we have to, you know, be careful. And, and I, I used to tell my students, always ask the next question. You know, don't don't assume anything and, and find out what the facts really are before you um, make a judgment or before you um, give advice, you know, to find out what's really happening. Because sometimes you might shut people down, you know, inadvertently um, if you if you don't have all the information. Agreed. And that's why I think it's important to showcase both successes like Chef Robert Lewis and see how well he's managing his diabetes and, and applaud that effort as much as it is to uh, showcase people who are passionate like Leon for Luther Vandross music because both Patricia and Janice talked about how passion could help be a motivator for staying healthy. And I think it's also important to share different perspectives like you just did tonight and give people a chance who might be struggling with a complication to look at it from a different place and also to give them some comfort like your words did as well tonight. And that's why I think, you know, I know a lot of people scratch their head about why are we playing music on a podcast but for me, our legacy is about music. I worked for Luther Vandross for 13 years, um, up through the stroke until his death in 2005. I'm, uh, Luther was on Sony Music. I'm so proud to partner every month with Sony Music and showcase different artists. These last two months, we showcased artists who were affected by diabetes. Uh, many months, we don't do that. And, uh, you know, it was important also, Lorraine, that we have a somber celebration tonight because you and I have to talked offline before about trying to be the happy podcast. And it was, it's important for me for people to know uh, we are going to approach topics with an up, in an uplifting manner. However, that doesn't mean we don't want to talk about the struggle or get serious about the topic. And certainly when you look at all these men, and uh, most of them besides Von Harper dying before the age of 56, that's way too young to die. And many of those men struggled for years and had a lower quality of life because of complications, and I think that's a travesty. And so the message really with the music for me and I think for my guests is to be a motivator, a comfort, and help people connect to great educators, to great resources, and, and manage their diabetes with love and support and also to give that to their friends and family as well who are living with diabetes. Well, I think you're doing a great job, Max. I know that there are a lot of people out there who appreciate your message and appreciate the way that you uh, put your message across. And, um, you know, you have to live life. There's music in life. There's sex in life. There's 
happiness in life, there's food in life, there's all these things that we have to celebrate and we have to make a part of our lives and we we can't, uh, you know, we can't give up trying and we can't give up living. Even if we have some complications or even if we have some issues, we still can't give up living. We have to uh, all support one another. And I think it's important to tell the truth. You know, I think it's important to say if you're struggling or say if you're not happy or say if you have a question or, or say if you don't understand something, you know, and, and without fear of, of being judged for that or without fear of being told that, you know, you're not doing the right thing. I, I, I'm, I feel really very strongly about that. I think we, you know, we, we just blame the victims too often. But I also want to say that, you know, it's a wonderful thing that people are doing research to and trying to find a cure. And I applaud all those people out there who are working um, every day to, to make, to improve people's lives and to find out what causes this and what the best treatments are and get new treatments available and new types of medications. And uh, it's all important. We all have to work together to, 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 to find a way to, to cure this. Absolutely. We're all part of the same team. And again, thank you, Lorraine. And, and I want to thank all my guests tonight for being a part of the show. And thank you for listening listeners and allowing us into your lives for the past six years to be a constant friend. I, that's such a, important part of my day is to know I have this podcast to look forward to every month and share more of my friends and expert advice and, and stories and inspiration with you. So please take a minute to subscribe to our Divabetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org and visit our Divabetic Facebook pages, as well as watch some of my videos on the Mr. Divabetic YouTube channel. Plus, don't miss my trip to the gynecologist. Next month, I mean next week, Tuesday, July uh, 19th, I'm looking at my calendar, uh, when we're talking about PCOS and type 1 diabetes with Dr. Andrea Chisholm. Remember, every dude and every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's stay happy and healthy together. We're going to close the show with the big hit by PM Dawn one more time, courtesy of Sodi Music. Here's Set Adrift on Memory Bliss.
there that the ring finger on the hand. Wanted her to be a big DM Dawn fan, but now I have to put her right back with the rest. That's the way it goes, I guess. Baby, you see me. Yeah. 